On today's episode of Saved by the Ball, we bring on two guests, one to talk about the NBA Conference Finals and what you can expect, and one to come on and talk about what's going on in the world of soccer. He's going to talk about Wayne Rooney, going to talk about the conclusion of the Premier League. It's going to be a fun podcast. Be sure to stay tuned. Let's do it. All right, for our first segment, we got special guest, H-Town native, Rockets connoisseur. Do you like connoisseur? All right, yeah, connoisseur, Mm. your boy, Robert Stasny. Hey, yo, yo, yo. It's your boy, Robert Stastny, Houston sports fanatic, uh, big A&M fanatic, Johnny Football, comeback season. We ready. We out here. Awesome, man. Well, let's dive down into the NBA playoffs. We're going to be talking about Cleveland versus Boston, recapping game one, talking about what you can expect for the rest of that series, and we're going to be giving our predictions for game one of the Houston-Golden State game. It's going to be coming on live tonight, so... We'll give you our predictions, and then you'll get to see when you listen to this how right we were. And we'll also kind of give our predictions on how we think that series is going to go. All right, so first we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, talk about the Cavs versus the Celtics. Was that at all what you expected for Game 1? Um, it was definitely, I think it was an amazing game plan by the Celtics. Uh, Brad Stevens uh, really showed why he makes the big bucks. Can I say that's something I would expected? I didn't expect you know, the Cleveland to just be shut out uh, offensively. But, but also, just being, uh, there's so many liabilities for them on uh, defensively. Brad Stevens definitely exposed uh, the Al Horford, Jalen Brown pick and roll against Kevin Love and Kyle Korver. So he definitely, um, you know, definitely Al Horford, I say, was the big player of the game, starting off hot, and then uh, Cleveland just couldn't catch up after that. Yeah, um, I definitely predicted the Celtics to win, but I did not expect LeBron to play that bad. I don't blame him. I mean, this is somebody that's had to carry this team the whole season and the whole postseason so far, so it's only natural that he had a bad game. He's tired. It's been a long season for him. I would just like to go on the record and let everybody know that it is official LeBron James is not a god. He is a human being as much as We like to talk up to him and act like he's all that. He is the greatest basketball player in today's day and age and arguably of all time. But let's not overlook. He cannot himself carry this team to beat the Celtics. And I've been saying it this whole postseason. But let's put it into into perspective. This team will not make it past the Celtics. I will be surprised if it goes past the game six. I say I say the Celtics will win in six. I would not be surprised if the Celtics won in five because this is a LeBron James team that is only LeBron James. And as we saw in game one, he struggled big time. Now, I don't don't think he'll struggle that bad the rest of the, the series, honestly. I think this is his worst game of the series. But I don't think that even him playing better will help to carry this the Cavs to beat the Celtics. Do you? Um... Well, I think you brought up some interesting points there. I think this uh, series is still going to go far. 
I think definitely, you know, LeBron James has been in dozens of playoff series. I'm sure he's seen, you know, every defensive coverage. I'm sure he'll make his adjustments. Uh, I think what they need to fix is, yeah, the offensive side. You know, LeBron James only having 15 points is abysmal. Uh, and that won't, that probably won't happen again. You know, I can see them pulling away with getting 120 points uh, for some games and, you know, leaving Boston. I mean, they only held Boston to, like, you know, 108 or something. I think they can definitely outscore them. So I think that's the kind of game they have to, you know, game plan around and uh, make sure they run a fast tempo and uh, try and see if they can hold down, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and them. You mentioned that you think that they can score more points. I mean, LeBron James wasn't really the only one that had a bad game. The Cavs missed their first 14 threes, and that's not all on LeBron. LeBron did go 0-5 from, from three-point range, but he wasn't the only one to have a bad game. And I don't think even with LeBron having a good game, the Celtics can pull off the win. I think that they will win game three at home. Mm-hmm. And I think the Celtics will pick up on whatever they did to win that game and win game four and go back home and win game five. This is a Celtics team in the postseason that is eight and zero in home. Mm. That's something you got to look out for. I don't think that Cleveland will win game two. I think you'll see a better LeBron, but I don't think the team will be good enough to beat the Celtics. I mean, like you mentioned, Jalen Brown. Yeah. Marcus Morris. Terry Rozier. Rozier. No, that's what I was thinking deep. of. Um, they are deep, and they all can score because of the system that Brad Stevens has put in place. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that – I think you'll see an exciting game too, but I think the Celtics has more manpower and can go longer, and you'll see them end up on top at the end of the fourth quarter in game two. Yeah, I think that uh, – I mean, at, that, at this point, that's easy to say. You know, I still, I'm still team LeBron James. He's faced tougher opponents than this. And I think he can pull away, make his adjustments, shock the world. Well, he has faced tougher opponents, but who did he have right next to him? Who was his number two guy? Who was his Robin to his Batman? That man, Kyrie. Si- that man sitting on the other team right now. How great would this series have been if Kyrie was not hurt? And we got to see LeBron and Kyrie face off. Dude, when Boston is fully healthy, they're going to be a very scary, scary team. All right, Robert, before we move on to the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors conversation... Who do you have winning the series between Cleveland and Boston? I'm going to go with the same pick that I had in the beginning, and that is with Cleveland. I just see LeBron James, you know, freaking being LeBron James. Man. How many wins you got him in? I think at this point it can go. Well, hold on. Before to... before game one, what did you think compared to what do you think now? I thought it was going to be game six. I thought it was going to be a long series. And uh, and now I'm, I'm thinking seven. <laughs> they got to go uh, – Obviously, they have to win this game, and then they can't lose at home. I'm thinking they're going to lose game two, and I think they're going to win out. Okay. Pop it off on game seven. Okay. I originally said the Celtics. I I, I said Celtics in six, but I really want to say Celtics in five. I see six more probable. Like I said, I think Cleveland won't win in Boston. Boston's too good at home. Eight and no so far in the postseason. So Boston's taking game two. Cavs take game three. Whatever they did to win that game, the Celtics will pick up on that and eliminate that in game four, and they'll go back home with a 3-1 lead and finish off and win game five or game six. So, I say, honestly, I say Celtics in six. Yeah, I think uh, there's only one way we'll find out. And uh, But now, at this point, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on the uh, Houston and Golden State series? This is going to be an exciting series. Like, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, 
if Golden State was the same team it was the past three years, I would say Golden State easily, hands down, maybe five, arguably six. But this is not the same Warriors team. They're not nearly as good. They're not. Their team chemistry is not nearly as solid as it was. So when the going gets tough, I think the Rockets can take advantage of that fracture. And James Harden and Chris Paul together are just too good not to be overlooked. So you're picking the Rockets? I think if the Rockets do everything right, they, they have a chance to win. I honestly, I honestly think that the Rockets have the chance to win, and I am hopeful that they win. But if Harden pulls a Harden like he did last year, they do not have a chance. God damn you. <laughs> I mean, I know Harden's your boy, but this, this will be his chance to prove himself in the playoffs. There's always been doubt. This is the series to prove that he is the real deal. What are the chances that Harden shows up, plays lights out, and the Rockets move to the finals? What's your percentage? Because obviously you're picking the Rockets to win, right? Yes, I am. Yes, I am, Evan. Um, don't get me wrong. Golden State is 100, you know, not 100%, but very likely favored to win. But anyway, but onto the, but onto the series. Um, I predict Rockets in seven, and I predict the games going for the Rockets. It's going to be win-loss, 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 win. So back-to-back, no one's going to win two times in a row, and the Rockets are going to win in Game 7. With that Houston crowd, with Houston Strong standing behind, going crazy. I'm definitely giving the Rockets the advantage solely on the fact that they have Game 7 at home. If they didn't have Game 7 at home, I don't think I would pick them. But I think it will go seven games, and I think because it's at home (laughs) in Houston for them, I think that's the determining factor. I think they're good enough to keep up, and like you said, go back and forth and back and forth. And then that game seven at home is really what's going to do it for them. I can only say I'm just looking forward to the game tonight. I know it's going to be, you know, a crazy series. You know, James Harden and Chris Paul have to play, you know, you know, at least 30-point, 10-assist games every night if we want to win the game. Otherwise, Warriors are going to shred us. You know, they have, you know, so many guys who can go off, you know, Kevin Durant's going to get you 28. Steph's going to get you 28. Clay's going to get you 18, 22. So, I mean, the thing with the Rockets is who's going to be that third guy to step up. And I'm hoping it's going to be Clint Capella. I mean, Golden State has no one that can uh, guard Clint Capella if they use the Hampton Five with, you know, Draymond, KD, Andre Godala, Clay, and Steph. You know, those guys just, besides KD, you know, don't have the vertical leap or the size to match up with him, with his athleticism. So I see Clint being the X factor and the Rockets pulling away nice. the series in game seven. Yep. Everything right there. Yep. 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 Uh, game one. What can people expect? What should people expect in this game one? Harden's going to go for 45 points, uh, 10 assists, six rebounds. Um, and I think. You can expect some Rockets player on the bench to go off. And I'm going to pick Gerald Green. Gerald Green is, you know, he shoot it off balance. He don't give a damn. But he can get hella streaky. And in that Houston crowd, he's lethal. But, of course, Steph and KD, they going to get theirs. We just got to make them shoot, make KD shoot the mid-range jumpers and uh, keep Steph off the three-point line. So I think what you're going to... I think what you're going to see is a uh, very, very close back-and-forth game. Very high scoring. Shoot it's going to be a very high scoring game. Both teams are going to be on tonight. I think you're going to see 
a good Steph Curry, but KD's going to carry this game. Mm-hmm. I think Steph Curry's still a little not 100% mm-hmm. coming back from this injury, but um, he is going to be a big factor in the game. Absolutely. Um, but look for KD to carry this Warriors and compete with Harden. Fear the motherfucking beard. Harden's going to have to have a big game. It's going to it's gonna come down to who has a better game between KD and Harden. Who do you think is going to be more likely to go off? I think Harden will have the better game. I think KD will score more points. But I think Harden's impact with those points and with him on the floor will be more, which is why I think uh, Houston's going to win. I think with the Houston crowd and being in Houston, Harden is just too good to lose this game one with all this pressure. I think he's going to take all this in, and he knows all eyes are going to be on him, and I think he's going to show up. I think lights are going to be on him, and he's going to put on a performance, and I think that's what seals the deal for the Rockets in game one. Hell yeah, brother. So in the seven-game series, we're pick- we're both picking uh, Houston one and seven? Hell yeah. Houston and seven, under the Toyota Center, Houston strong. We're going back-to-back championships in uh, sports, so we're taking over. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Well, there you go. You heard it live from us. We'll see how this both of these series go. We'll see uh, how right we were, Robert. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. All right, Robert, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah, bro. I had a great time, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, for our next segment, we're going to be talking about what's going on in the soccer world. We got special guest Charlie Bambini on. Hello. Charlie, thanks for being on, man. Hey, thanks, Evan, for having me on. Uh, my name is Charlie Bambini. I uh, consider myself a soccer fan, a football fan. Uh, you'll find me waking up on Saturday mornings to crack open a Guinness, watch some Premier League, not some <laughs> Premier League, watch some EPL, you know, sit at a bar up in Mueller area and watch games with the other faithful soccer fans. Appreciate you having me on. Been playing soccer my whole life. Kind of have a theory about Premier League teams. If you weren't really born into a family that supported one, it's kind of like a stray animal that imprints on someone. I uh, personally imprinted on Arsenal and can't really explain my love for them and my my fanship, but it just kind of happened one day, and I know I've been head over heels since. So I guess it's pretty clear to say soccer is your main sport. Definitely, definitely. Nice. You watch any other sports? What are your teams? Uh, well, I'm from St. Louis. Uh, big hockey fan. Go Blues. Kind of fitting. You know, Arsenal is a bit of a frustrating team, and the Blues have never won a Stanley Cup. So womp, womp. also a little frustrating. But hey, always keep up hope. Well, awesome, man. Thanks for being on. Um, so big news going around right now. Wayne Rooney, he's coming to D.C. United. Um, what does that mean for MLS? What does that mean for American sports? Well, obviously it's a big move. You know, he's one of the top goal scorers for Manchester United, probably the most famous soccer club in the world. He played this last season at Everton, his boyhood club. He made the return, had a couple goals for them, but really didn't have a stellar season. But the name power is really anything. You know, you're bringing one more big name to the MLS and not to China, where players are being paid exorbitant amounts. I don't think he's going to have a splash like Zlatan or David Beckham when they went to L.A. You know, L.A. is big celeb city, and those are big celebrities. You know, Zlatan, David Beckham with his whole family, they definitely fit there in L.A. How but is Ibrahimovic doing so far this season? He's doing pretty good. Man, talk about an intro. You know, his first game, uh, two goals, and a comeback against crosstown rivals LAFC. Um, if you haven't looked it up, he had a volley goal from about 40 yards out. Pretty insane. I recommend looking up the, uh, the videos on Twitter. So is he the new GOAT of MLS soccer? 
Can we like start saying that? Is that a thing? Uh, he's definitely the goat of putting on a show. Um, what, is was there t- what was the what was the article he did? He like came to LA. No, he uh, he took a he took an article out or he took an entire page ad out in the LA Times and said, "Dear LA, you're welcome." That's great. That's that's awesome. But that's is, the, you is know, he back it up? Is he backing it up at least? He's backing it up so far. Um, he's definitely been you know it's the influence of you know not only having this international superstar on your team but. You know, it raises the level of play of all his teammates. And DC United had a couple, or DC United, sorry. Uh, LA Galaxy had a couple off seasons, and now, you know, they're fierce and right back at it with, you know, his, you know, revitalization of the team. Is he the biggest star in LA right now? Hmm. Because, you know, you got you got Lonzo Ball and the Lakers. Well, um, I mean, he's played in more European countries than Lonzo Ball, so I'd say he's a bigger star there you go damn all right you heard it live he's even better well of course he's better than the dodgers because we all know how the dodgers are doing right now also uh shout out the st louis cardinals uh hometown team they have swept the cubs so far this season no big deal yeah but they cheat all right so what does this mean for the mls with wayne rooney coming in does this make dc united a major contender all of a sudden is this kind of like bringing on like a lebron james on your team in the mls format at least well Obviously, it's name power. You know, how will this Wayne Rooney name power play in our nation's capital? You know, yet to be seen. Uh, the biggest, you know, the biggest superstar DC United is known for having is uh, Freddie, uh, Freddie Adu, wah, wah, the 16-year-old <laughs> superstar who kind of burnt out. Um, but really, you know, it will be interesting. Obviously, you know, the ability and the opportunity for the young American players to play with a legend like Wayne Rooney, um, you know, what an opportunity. Like, they're going to be so pumped, and I think he'll bring, you know, definitely more energy to the club, and it'll be, you know, it'll bring more viewership. It's definitely, you know, a great move PR-wise, but it's an expensive guy there, so I don't know how much it's going to help, you know, paying out to have him there when, you know, D.C. United has been struggling as of lately. So you mentioned the Premier League. What exactly is that for our viewers that don't follow much European soccer. So the Premier League is England's top 20 teams, England and Wales, and uh, they're the top 20 teams um, in the English Federation. Um, so basically, um, all the different club teams around England are organized into different levels of leagues, and the Premier League is the top 20. Um, every year they play 38 weeks, and after the 38 weeks, the low... The, the least successful teams, the teams that win the least amount of points, are relegated to the lower leagues. So, it's an interesting. It'd be like it's like having like a lower league NFL, and the top teams would get to move up and play in the upper league. Uh, pretty, yeah. It's actually very much similar to the um, the baseball system, where we have different levels of leagues. Except, you know, your minor league teams would be able to move up if they were the most successful that season. So you're saying the Browns and. The Colts and the... I'm saying uh, the Browns versus Alabama could have happened. Who, who, who would win that game, by the way? Ooh. Uh, I got to stick with the Browns. I would think so, too. Just, you can't beat the size. The size is too great. Yeah. And the skill level, They're too. They're professionals. They're professionals. Exactly. Not to say that Alabama isn't, but definitely, you know, there's that edge. Definitely. But, uh, so, really, you break down the Premier League, it's 38 weeks, no playoffs, which is, you know, to American people, like, what? No playoffs? How, you know, who's the winner? It's all on running points. Three points a win, one point for a tie, zero points for a loss, and it's just running score. If you have a tie at the end of the season, it all goes into goal difference, goals for, minus goals against. 
and that's how they decide the winner. So it kind of takes the whole argument of American sports where it's like, oh, the regular season doesn't matter. All that matters is that you make it to the postseason. Now it's going back to, uh, so the, the season is the season. There's no postseason. So from game one to game, how many games are there? 38. 38. So game one to game 38 are just as important. Yeah. So, every, every match has the same weight and the same ability to really you know, push your team to the top level. How do you think that affects the different sports between teams that have playoffs and teams that don't, like in this English Premier League? Well, you know, it's also different. It's a lot like American football in the way that you have one, maybe two games within a seven-day period. So they get to prepare all week for that game. But in a way that, you know, a lot of American sports don't have, you know, there are a lot of, you know, international leagues in Europe that these teams also have to prepare for, um, so they'll have games midweek, so you're working off three to four days rest at all times, pretty much. Okay. So how did this whole uh, English Premier season go this year? So uh, they always have, you know, Championship Sunday, and uh, that was this last Sunday. Um, all the teams play, uh, all 20 of the teams, and really, you know, everything is sunk right there. You determine your winner. Um, if it goes that far, if they haven't, you know, statistically won several games before, and you determine the three teams that are going to be dropped to the championship the next year. So this year, uh, your top champs, Man City, they uh, had 100 points. It's the first team to ever earn 100 points with 32 wins and four ties. So 32 times three plus four, 100 points. Uh, so that's a huge step for Manchester City and for the Premier League, a real powerhouse of a team that, you know, has only won. It's actually funny. They've won three times in the last couple, six years, I think. And... Uh, you, you see three billboards outside uh, Ebbing, Missouri? No, I didn't. Well, to kind of poke fun at that, they did three billboards outside of Manchester, Missouri. It's a suburb of St. Louis. And they ah. put their championship banners on those billboards. It's a cheeky play. Good cheeky. move. Very cheeky. But, uh, yeah, so they got first. Um, rounding up your top four, you got Man City, Manchester United, you know, most famous club in the world. Um, Kind of the evil empire, in my opinion, but you know. So they're like the Yankees of. That's European a very soccer. fair. That's a very fair comparison. So then, I who is say. Man City? Is Man City the Boston, the um, Boston Red Sox? Hmm. Yeah, I think I don't know if that's the most fair. Um, it's different because Man City was really a more recent. Um, you know, they got a lot of investment um, from some you know foreign investors, and that allowed them to make some big moves um, and bring in a lot of talent. So. It's been, they've always been around, but I'd say, you know, the last like 10 or so years, they've really stepped it up. So I don't know if they have an American contemporary as of yet. Man U and the Yankees is kind of fair. Most famous players, most famous team, um, worldwide recognition. I think that's very fair. Okay. So what about the Astros? The Astros have a comparison, you know, Mm. the team that uh, started from nothing and built their way up and are like the young superstars, like the team to be, you know, the best team in the MLB, who, who would be like that? Or maybe like a team that's going to be the future Astros. Um, I'd say right now, I think a fair, a fair comparison might be Liverpool. Um, they came in fourth this year. So to round out your top four, you got Man City, Man U, Tottenham, which is the club out of North London. Um, and then Liverpool. So Liverpool, I'd say has kind of got that Astros vibe. Um, they've retooled their team over the last couple years, and uh, you know this year they had a three-headed monster headed by uh, Mohamed Salah, your golden bo- golden boot winner, 32 goals this season, um, a Premier League record. Uh, 
But four years ago, Liverpool was, you know, in the dumps. They were not doing well. They were coming in, you know, around 10th, you know, nothing really to show for it. But they've really retooled. They got a new coach uh, a couple years back, and he's really, you know, regalvanized this team. And, uh, you know, I think similar to the way the Astros have built up recently, I'd say, you know, that kind of growth and that kind of success is, you know, fairly mirrored by Liverpool. Nice. That's what's up. That's what's up. So since the season's over, what are the big awards that go out for soccer players and how did that shake up? Okay, so obviously Man City, your champs, they get the trophy, they get the bragging rights. Um, they'll defend all next season. Uh, you've got Golden Boot, Mohamed Salah. Uh, his first season with Liverpool, he had 32 goals, really just you know the head of the three-headed beast, like the main head. Uh, it was him. You had uh, Sadio Mane and uh, Roberto Firmino, Bobby Chompers. Uh, he's got some really nice fake teeth he got, so you call him Bobby Chompers. Uh, but really, you know, they were pretty much unstoppable. They beat Man City um, in a head-to-head game. But Mo Salah, you know, your MVP kind of the year. Uh, playmaker, you know, this is attempts and, um, you know, assists and chances created. It goes to Kevin De Bruyne of Man City, really a midfield wizard. Um, you know, he just controls the game, really manages the tempo. Like, the game goes through him, and you, it's so visible when you watch. And then uh, your gold glove goes to David De Gea of Manchester United. He kept 22 clean sheets, which is English for 22 shutouts. Uh, and so, you know, kept a clean sheet, as in, like, a goal sheet, a tally sheet of the scorekeepers. So David De Gea is your man there. Easily the best goalie in the Premier League at this moment. Proves it game after game. Um and that, those are like, you know, the awards, but kind of what people really pay a lot more attention to is kind of the punishments of the Premier League. And we've got three teams that are going to be moving down to the championship. And those teams are Swansea City, Stoke City, and West Bromwich Albion. Teams that over these 38 games have only earned 33 points, 33 points, and 31 points. They will be moving down and there will be three teams getting promoted. And that's kind of the interesting part of the Premier League is, you know, you could have a great season, but, you know, if you don't keep it up the next year, anything's possible. So, Charlie, you got to have a favorite team. Who do you go with and why? Well, Why are they your team? I mean, what I... And who should I go for? I, I don't have a team yet. Um, mm. I, I've been trying to figure it out. I, I know a couple of the players, but uh, I, don't, I don't really have a diehard team yet. I've been looking to find out a reason to be like, that's my team. I'm a, I'm a diehard well, Blank plane. Who, who do you say? Who's well, your argument? You know, with my Astros comparison to Liverpool earlier, you know, they could be someone to look into. I kind of suggest you just sit down maybe on a Saturday morning, might be a little hungover, just turn on the game, see, you know, just pay attention a couple games. You might pick up a team. You might start feeling connected to a team. I have my old roommate just randomly one day, we, I was watching and he goes, wait, there's a team called Stoke, Stoke City. I love that. I'm going to cheer for them. And the poor guy buys a jersey, <laughs> and his first year they get relegated. You know, that's the cruelty of the Premier League script. No one knows what they're going to write, and it'll just rip your heart out if you're not careful. But I think you got to watch a little bit. You can't just pick a team. I definitely, you know, I mean, you could, but I think it means more if you, you know, give a couple games watching. Maybe you watch the World Cup this summer. You'll see a player you like, find out he plays somewhere in England. Give them a couple watches this fall, and maybe you'll imprint on a team as I did with Arsenal. Okay. 
Uh, World Cup going on. Um, U.S. obviously isn't in it. Who should Americans be going for? Who is either the good team to watch and cheer for because you know they're going to do well, or who is the most inspiring underdog? Um, Well, I mean, a lot of Americans would say, oh, I'll just cheer for Italy, you know? Like, I'm part Italian, right? No, can't this year. Italy's out, too. It's the upside-down World Cup for all my uh, Stranger Things watchers. Who else is big that didn't make it? Uh, really, the USA and Italy are the big ones. Um, so at least Ga- USA can say, hey, we're not the only one. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's not, not the enough, biggest disappointment. Like, it's Italy one not thing qualifying. It's say that you didn't make it, but it's always better to be like, well, also, this person didn't make it. I mean, when you're in trouble in school, you have a buddy that gets in trouble <laughs> with you. You're always like, oh, well, he did it. Like, it's not just me. All right, so at least we got somebody on the U.S. Uh, on the U.S. level to be like, well, they also didn't make yeah. it to make up for that fact that. Pretty, pretty big impact on the game in america how embarrassing on a scale from zero to ten ten being sanchez butt fumble and zero being like nothing embarrassing at all on a on that scale how bad is america not making the world cup this year man the sanchez butt fumble i almost forgot never forget um i'd say it's probably like an eight because and the only reason i give it an eight is because you know this this sport doesn't have the viewership yet in this giant country, you know, we haven't earned that. And this was a huge opportunity to build more ownership. I don't know if you watched the last World Cup, but, you know, the watch parties and the scenes of the fans, you know, getting together in the red, white, and blue and just going nuts watching these games, knowing that we're underdogs in every game we go to, um, you know, it's such a missed opportunity. And I know Fox has to be feeling it. They bid so much money to, you know, have the rights to the World Cup and now, you know, their main sector that they, you know, their main country that they project to is not going to be in it. You know, that hurts. But I think it hurts more in, you know, the ability for kids to watch and see American stars and be like, you know, that could be me one day. You know, it's it's sad. It's sad. So I, that's why I give it an eight. It's very sad, very big missed opportunity, but the viewership isn't there yet. But this was our chance to get it. Damn. So who, if American, if, American fans should still watch this World Cup, though, right? Yeah. I mean, of course. It's the most popular sporting event in the world. you got to watch it. And, I mean, streaming at work, it's going to be going all day. You know, you got literally a month of soccer, you know, a month of drinking beer in pubs, a month of, you know, just tuning in and watching the world come to cheer all the different teams on. It's, it's amazing. So is there a, a team that Americans should be going for? Who, well, a lot of people say stick with North America, cheer for El Tre, Mexico. Uh, Mexico will be fun to watch. They're always fun to watch. Um, uh, I, I think I'll definitely pull for them a little bit, but I am, you know, I am torn. I don't know who I'm going to cheer for. Germany won last year, right? Or they, not last year, last World Cup. They did. They did. And they're going to be very strong as well. They had a very, uh, in the European Cup, they have, you know, every two years, you know, the, the two years in between the World Cup and the European Cup, Germany uh, put on a good show there, too. They did not win. They lost to Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo in the final, but um, a lot of youth, the German team is young, and they're going to be strong, and they're always very, very skilled. So I think they're definitely a favorite. I mean, Brazil will be a favorite, as always. They've got the flair. They've got the style. Um, you got England and Spain, correct? England and Spain. Okay. I mean, you know, it's obviously, you know, the European teams have a lot of strength, but it's always those, you know, 
those South American teams and some of those African nation teams, like they always kind of make a splash and surprise you. And sometimes they have the most fun, you know, they look like they're having the most fun because they're so proud to be there for their countries. Uh, you know, I really don't think you can, I mean, you can obviously, you're going to have to miss games, but try and catch as much as you can. Um, it's really, you know, an awesome and magical event. All right, but gun to your head, you have to get Americans involved in soccer. And since they don't have the U.S. team, they have to have somebody to root for if they're going to watch. Somebody's going to just watch just to watch soccer. They have to have a team they're going for. Give us a team that is going to do well. We don't know if they're going to win, but at least there's somebody that we can root for and hope to win. They're exciting. They have good players. I'm going to say uh, not necessarily a dark horse this tournament, but definitely one of the teams that, you know, recently, you know, in recent world competitions hasn't, you know, put up to what, you know, their history has, you know, built them up to be. France is just fine-tuned and ready to go. They got Paul Pogba. And, Pogba. And, you know, he brings that flair to the game. Um, and they've got a lot of young players like Dembele from Barcelona. You know, they're going to be fun to watch because they're young and they're all, it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, they're all buddies, kind of like the golf boys, you know, Spieth and Thomas and all of them. You know, they they grow together. They, you know, they've been playing together since they were young. I think France, you know, I don't know exactly what their projection is, but I think they're going to be a very fun team to watch. Um, and Pogba's from Man U, or he's on Man U. He now, does right? play for Man U. See, yes. I do know something about soccer, so <laughs> there's we're one there. So speaking of France, Neymar, one of the top players for Brazil. Is in the France league, correct? Yeah, Ligue 1, you know, French. Uh-huh. Uh, he uh, he plays for PSG. PSG won the league. They're kind of, you know, the Yankees over there. You know, they're a powerhouse team, a lot of good funding. Um, and they paid Neymar the most unreal contract earlier this year. I can't even remember the stats, but it blew all records kind of away. Uh, and so he won... Pretty sure he won Golden Boot. The team won the league, and he's been injured for almost most of the half, the second half of the season. So, you know, they've really kind of built a good team around him. But he really did have an impact, you know, on PSG in his first season. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, hopefully he's healthy by the World Cup. Um, you know, Brazil will need him, uh, especially if they want to erase the embarrassment that they had at the hand of the Germans in um, in Rio last year on their home turf. Uh, but also speaking of France, uh, a very famous French coach is resigning. He doesn't coach in France. He coaches in the Premier League in England. It's Arsene Wenger from Arsenal. Fitting name. Uh, after 22 years, he is uh, stepping down. After a lot of turmoil of the last two seasons, a lot of fans kind of turned in against him. You'll see a, you know, there was a bit of a viral sensation. People holding up signs at games that said, Wenger out, Wenger out. You know, a lot of frustration with the club for not letting you know, this aged, you know, the professor is what they would call him. He really changed the game, but a lot of the fans thought it was time for him to go and the club waited too long to dismiss him. He's leaving, um, but he leaves a legacy behind him. Um, he actually coached Arsenal to the only undefeated Premier League se- season of any team in 2003 and 2004. They didn't lose a single game. They tied a few, but didn't lose a single game. Went on and just swept the Premier League. And it was really, you know, in the early 2000s, he had changed the way coaching was done. You know, he got involved in his players' lives and, you know, changed the way their diet was and all their habits. And no one had really seen coaching that deep, you know, in the Premier League so far. And it changed the way, you know, teams had to adjust to it because 
Arsenal came in, you know, two seasons into that new training and just swept them. Uh, it had never really been seen before. It's interesting, 22 years and he's on his way out. Um, he was the most tenured Premier League coach and now the most tenured one has only been there for seven seasons. It's kind of a new era of coaching where, you know, you have the coaching carousel and, you know, how long is anyone really going to stay with a team? You know, like how quickly are fans going to demand someone be fired if, you know, success isn't immediate? It's going to be interesting to watch and watch it develop. But, you know, people, you know, he got a lot of slack, Arsene Wenger, but uh, I think people will miss him. Well, thanks, Charlie. I really appreciate you uh, sharing all that with us. Super exciting. You know, we got the end of the English Premier League right there. We got World Cup coming up. I appreciate you dropping all this soccer knowledge on us to help us get ready for uh, what's about to come and kind of get us uh, interested in soccer as a whole. So thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully uh, come on around the World Cup. We'll oh, get, yeah. We'll dude. get back into it. Oh, yeah, of course. All right, Charlie, tell them where they can follow you at. Oh, oh, man. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at cbam92 underscore screen name two buck chuck, and uh, you should follow me for random soccer facts and bad puns. I'll be there. Sounds good, Charlie. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, thanks. Next up, we got our newest segment, the dumbass of the week. This week, the dumbass of the week goes to the New York Mets. The Mets forgot their batting order with two outs left in the first inning, which caused them to get their third out, leaving a runner stranded in scoring position. The Mets would go on to lose the game 2-1 to one in the bottom of the 10th inning, which wouldn't have happened if the Mets didn't screw up their batting order. Alright, we're getting close to the end. You know what that means. We got the one-minute rundown. I read off as many headlines as I can in one minute. Let's do it. In the NBA... Two head coaches are fired. Both Steve Van Gundy of the Pistons and Dwayne Casey of the Raptors are being let go. Dwayne Casey is arguably the favorite to win head coach of the year after winning the most games in the Eastern Conference. The Atlanta Hawks are hiring 76ers assistant coach Lloyd Pierce to be their new head coach. In the NFL, Saints running back Mark Ingram is suspended four games after violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. In the AHL, there's a six-hour game that goes into the fifth overtime with the goalie, Alex Lyon, getting 94 saves on 95 shots. In baseball, in the MLB, Astros outfielder George Springer goes 6-for-6, six six, getting six hits in a nine-inning game. And Dark Knight from the Mets, Matt Harvey, is traded to the Cincinnati Reds. There's the buzzer. You know what that means. We're out of time. Thanks for listening. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at SBB Podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us some comments. Y'all take it easy.